Hello, I'm Lawrence Lever, Chairman and Founder of CityWire. Welcome to this new CityWire podcast series from our CityWire correspondent. CityWire has over 100 people based in several different countries, all talking to wealth managers, advisors and fund selectors. We want to bring together their stories for you. What do they have in common? What's different? And how can we all learn from one another, no matter where we are based? After all, we live in a very interconnected world. The coronavirus crisis has driven that home in very human and painful ways. In this week's podcast, you're going to hear from Will Robbins, editor of our New Model Advisor channel, based in London. Athol Simpson joins us from New York, where he looks after publications covering the US and Latin America. Finally, Tanya Perez, senior researcher in Spain, joins us from her base in Seville. I'm joined in chairing this discussion by Richard Lander, a fellow director who has been at CityWire since the very beginning back in 1999. Okay, so Will, in London, tell us what's going on in your life at the moment and the life of your community. Right, well, uh, I mean, obviously everyone's been adapting to uh, the, the COVID crisis. Obviously, the IFA community by and large are small businesses. There are a few large businesses, but uh, it tends to be the long tail of, of smaller firms. And so they've all had to adapt uh, over and over again to, to what's been going on. So a lot of, you know, same, same story as usual, I suppose, but say a lot of remote working, a lot of, uh, but a lot of, sort of remote client calls. And it's the client contact that's really been the big talking point because it's such a face-to-face -face profession. It's such a trust-based, personal-based profession that the getting the technology right, making smoothening that out has been a, a big issue actually in many ways. Is it the clients who don't have the technology or the advisors or both? Uh, the clients usually were well set up. I heard a few stories early on of uh, advice firms running to the local uh, PC world and Curry's to grab the last few laptops, uh, which was an extraordinary, but uh, you know, they had PCs set up. They've been working the same way for years. Why would they change? Uh, so yeah, so literal uh, runs to the out of town uh, centers with the, with the van <laughs> to pick up, pick up computers. So, so yeah, it's, you know, it's not that they haven't got technology. It's just getting the, the you know, the precise bit of kit. Okay, so Athol in New York, tell us a little bit about what's going on with you in your community. Yeah, so I mean, uh, an eerie silence has uh, fallen over the city that never sleeps, as, as you can imagine. I mean, uh, with the COVID crisis now, everyone's on full lockdown. Um, but from an advisor point of view in private banks, it's very, very similar to Will. So a lot of them have been scrambling to actually adapt to this new, this new working environment. Uh, I mean, just one example that, uh, that sprung to mind. So we were speaking to uh, a couple of advisors the other day, and it turned out that one of uh, a large US wealth firm uh, didn't actually allow its employees to use or to access their emails other than from the office desktop. So obviously working remotely, that caused huge, huge issues and uh, huge pressures on the IT department because a lot of them didn't even have laptops. And they weren't able to even access the emails from, 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 the, from the sanctity of their own home. So that was obviously, that caused massive delays uh, on their side. Uh, and a lot of questions are also being raised uh, now about the importance of actually having just pure brick and mortar physical locations. Um, that is uh, something that has been, that's been brought to light uh, with, this whole, with this whole crisis as well. So those are, those are questions that have been raised and questions that have been asked. Yeah, I think we'll come on to the bricks and mortar and whether you need an office or whether the world has changed or the world's actually still the same a, a little later. But, but Tanya, tell us a little bit about 
what's going on with you? You're in, you're in Seville, right? Exactly, I'm based in Seville. Uh, we have actually great news because it looks like we are turning down, uh, overcoming the peak of the curves, so that's great news. And in terms of uh, our communities, uh, I was actually quite impressed that because, you know, like Spain that normally is lagging in technology, or it's not that country known for a great technology, they were actually really well prepared for a situation like this. So they, they were already using a platform, digital platforms or tools to, to get the signature for, from clients to, to sign transactions. So actually for the business, it has been like uh, nothing happened really. That, that's so interesting. You know, I was talking to a, a very well-known wealth manager in, uh, in London and he said he still has to have people in the office because they still need pen and paper and they still need hard signatures. So it's interesting in Spain, they, they can operate without that. So that's an issue that they face in Latin America as well. So the whole um, rise of the e-signature um, process is, is actually really lagging for a lot of companies in Latin America. It's something that they've been trying to introduce across, uh, across the larger advisory firms. But when you get to the more family office level, uh, you know, the smaller advisory offices, uh, they still need physical signatures. Um, and that's uh, going using faxes, using just, re just really, you know, Old God, school the fax machine. Who remembers? Yeah. Exactly, the fax exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, ones that haven't adapted to, to this new this new way of doing yeah. business before the crisis hit are are gonna are gonna encounter some serious issues. Yeah, I think I think across all industries, not just financial services, we've persuaded ourselves we've gone digital over the last 10, 15 years. We've got email, we've got messaging, we've got uh, you know WhatsApp and and and, and Zoom even. But when it comes down to it, we haven't. So we still have these situations where people have to have wet signatures with pens. Uh, you, you know, a lot of people will have to print out a form, scan it, send it back. As Athol says, the ones that are prepared for this uh, are going to be doing pretty well now. The, the others who have to get into the office, which might be impossible, are really stuck. So I think, you know, this will cause a huge acceleration in the drive to what what you might call properly digital rather than just pretending to be digital have you have any of you come across stories of people that have been using the technology very cleverly how do you how do you define cleverly uh, yeah i don't know i mean like we did okay sorry a bit of a plug for city wire here but we held our first ever uh, chief executive forums which which had simultaneously oh, yeah. ceos joining from San Francisco, New York, London, and Aberdeen. We could never have done that before. Yeah. Um, yes, and in fact, that does sound very clever. Uh, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, yes, absolutely. There's a group of advisors called the Next Gen Planners. Uh, as you can imagine, it's, it's the, the younger side of, of the advice profession, but they're all the sort of qualified advisors. Uh, and they uh, launched uh, what they call the morning commute using Zoom. So there's about 20 to 50 people on this, or, or more actually now. Uh, who tune in uh, as one massive Zoom conversation. And there's a, a half an hour program of interviews, talks. Uh, my magazine, NMA, does the news bulletin, three minutes news bulletin at the top of the show. And oh, it's, great. And it's there to create a 30 minute kind of introduction to your day, that sort of airlock that you don't get you know, that you, or, the, or airlock that you do get when you're normally commuting to work, that you can, you're on the train, you get your mind sorted out, that you don't get when you're working from home. Uh, and that's been uh, really fun. 
Yeah, I think Tanya, you told me of some stories about your advisors who are doing six times as many meetings now that they don't have to travel. Didn't you have one who was uh, servicing clients in the Canary Islands who said he used to uh, he, he, yes, he, he yes. used to use he used to use the plane like the tube to go there? Exactly, that is uh, another case, like quite relevant, because uh, he used to take up to fifty flights. 50, 50, oh, yeah, 50 flights. Uh, and of course, that's what he said. Yes, I take the plane, you know, like like if I was taking the tube, and they realize also that, that probably will not be needed after this crisis because even the clients were already asking them just to do video calls to save, you know, in their time, um, probably the environment, and you know, people are so conscious with this these days. And yeah, they say that probably after the crisis, they just will fly to meet a new clients, new leads, and that's all. Okay, Richard, what have you been, what have you been seeing in the market from, where, from your vantage point in Belsize Park? Actually, not <laughs> You're Belsize, in Belsize Park. Park. I'm, I'm in Belsize West... Park. Yours in West Hampstead. Well, I, I live above several train tracks, and it's remarkable how quiet they are, uh, because there's far, far fewer trains, and how clear the air quality is. Uh, but also, I, you know, I connect with, with the, a team of sub-editors at CityWire. Uh, they're all working from home. They're working at kitchen tables. Uh, and the magazines are getting out every week, which is remarkable. They all have decent broadband, which I don't think they would have had two or three years ago. You would have had pretty rubbishy Wi-Fi, two or three megabytes. Uh, and they've all got enough to handle these files, which is fantastic. So I think going forward, we will see this drive that people will want to live in areas where there is really good broadband. There will be more pressure on, on BT and other companies to, to build out these fast fiber networks. That is going to be the priority for people like Will's advisors or, or Athol's fund selectors or, or Tanya's uh, advisors. Uh, rather than, you know, I want to live here because the neighborhood's nice well, I want, or because it's an easy drive into work. I want to live here because because I've got fast broadband and can can do business over video. Yeah. But on that point, Richard, as well. I mean, with that, uh, with with those new, you know, with that better broadband, also comes increased efficiency on the side of the advisors. They don't have to travel as much. They're not as tired. Uh, they can do more meetings in a day, um, and and that just increases the overall efficiency and 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 overall productivity of the company. More time with the family, and more time with the family as well. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's important for the new model advisors. They tend to be quite, uh, quite, uh, you know, very human, small businesses. Yeah. They they um, they like their work work life balance. Uh, absolutely, um, yes, they do. And what's interesting, I mean, I did a roundtable on on Zoom the other the other week with a young planner called uh, Rohan Sivajotti. And during the roundtable, because we we're talking about similar issues. He was obviously in his office, just no one else is there. It was just him on his own. It was about a couple of weeks ago. And he, he just paused and looked around and went, I don't think I need this place. <laughs> he, just, he just looked, he was like, you know what, I might, I might after he said, I don't think I'm going to hang on to this place. You know, because uh, what was really interesting was because he was being more productive, his team were being more productive uh, where they were. And also, yeah, he was, you know, he was really aware that he'd, he'd sort of stopped to smell the, smell the, roses or you know smell the grass so to speak but you know it sounds corny maybe but this is what actually this is what clients are starting to tell uh the advisors uh now the similar thing they said the clients are saying um you know we want to get off the hamster wheel uh and so yeah i think the, the, the advisors own lives are going to reflect that too 
Uh, well, do you think that, uh, I mean, from the UK point of view, do you think that some of these uh, independent advisors or the more or the independent wealth firms actually have a leg up on some of the larger groups because they've already maybe set up these remote uh, working services? They're, they're already much more digital. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought, yeah, what you say is, is so interesting. You know, there was a, there's been, by the way, there's been a little group of people who, who became a bit snooty to the, all the, uh, the new work from home crowd who were <laughs> discovering Zoom and remote working for the first time and they'd been doing it already. But yeah, you know, already we were seeing a trend of advisors looking to, say, you know, I don't say it's a cost cutting, but they were cost cutting. They were saving themselves money from disposing of some of the overheads. I got one advisor to to run a few figures for me, actually. And he was looking at, I think he found that sort of from firms he had spoken to, it's a straw poll of firms he'd spoken to, there was sort of a £12,000 annual cost uh, of their sort of various sort of office space arrangements. Um, he rents something called virtual office and that costs about a grand. Uh, you know, he was saving about uh, £3,000 on travel because he's not going to see all his clients uh, anyway so this is before covid so yeah i think uh, those more nimble firms are already starting and uh, you know they're definitely going to try and use that as a competitive advantage i think so what are you guys writing about other than the virus and its impact on uh, your communities i think will you've been doing something yeah. on cost cutting which i guess is kind of relevant yeah so to, to segue smoothly that's that's where i have all this information <laughs> is uh, because uh, probably sort of end of january uh, it was quite early on in the year, uh, I launched, my magazine launched uh, a campaign, a sort of editorial campaign called the Cost, Cost Cutting Crusade. Uh, it was to do with cutting, cutting costs, obviously, but control, what we call controlling the controllables, uh, which is sort of uh, Donald Rumsfeld type phrase, isn't it? But it was about saying, look, you've got regulatory costs that you can't control. You can't control what's happening in your professional indemnity insurance market. But... Can you control other things? For example, the office costs, travel, printing, amazingly. Printing costs something like, I think we found one firm that reduced their costs by 35% by going paperless. This is a small firm. Well, their whole costs. One, yeah, it was a one-man band. Right? Wow. But another one was saving, well, another one was spending 500 pounds on postage. One was spending 600 pounds every six weeks on, on printer cartridges. Um, someone was sending 10k a quarter on uh, on their external um, on printing and using an external print agency to send out their quarterly reporting for regulatory purposes on their investments. So it's just masses of cost. Yeah. Uh, and this is not the things that we usually write about, you know, the bad, you know, bad regulator, part, you know, with these levies that you, 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 know, you can't control those things, but you can control these other things. That was what we were writing about. And it's the same over in, um, uh, in, in Miami. So Miami is a major hub for the offshore advisory community. And uh, they cater to, to, to a lot of clients, mostly clients in Latin America. And the distances you have to travel there, I mean, just Miami to, to Uruguay, it's 10 hours and it's, there's no direct flight. Um, so just the cost that they're saving on, on not physically going wow. to those locations and doing the calls over Zoom will be absolutely huge. So there'll be massive, there's, there's, there's a lot of talk of how much they're going to be saving um, yeah. just through these different measures. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, Tanya, very polite. Go on. I would like to say something or to add something about this uh, cost savings topic. That uh, something that was uh, interesting to me uh, was that the advisors told me that actually, actually they feel like more efficient 
uh, in their work when they work from home. You know what I mean? Like, for yeah. example, when you are yeah. at the office, you may be writing an email, but then, you know, you get a call, you get a colleague asking you something, and then you don't finish this email uh, for, for an hour, let's say. And he told me, you know, I, I write emails now, like, you know, in five minutes, I'm done, and then so productive, that is unbelievable. So this is something maybe like, is it also like a saving in cost, right? In, in the time sense. <laughs> We're all we're all becoming super efficient. Mm. How how long it'll last for? Who, who knows? I think I think that's a good uh, a good chat for our first uh, from our citywide correspondent. I want to thank Athol in New York and Will in London and Tanya in Seville, and my colleague Richard in West Hampstead. Thank you very much, and tune in next week for another episode of from our citywide correspondent.